chapter 5. We're in the last section of James, and we're just walking through it, never in a rush when we study the Word of God. And the, the title of this group of verses would be The Power and the Privilege of Prayer. The Power and the Privilege of Prayer. And these handful of verses, we kind of outlined them. Prayer for the suffering, prayer for the sick, prayer for the nation, and prayer for the strain. Now, we've touched on prayer for the suffering, and that came out of verse 13. The Bible says, is any one of you in trouble, he should pray. And we spent a whole, um, a whole week on that, didn't we? A whole, a whole Wednesday just on that half of verse 13. And it's saying, if you've got a trouble, the individual believer should pray about it. Amen? Thank God for the prayer line, but before the prayer line and before everyone else, we should pray ourselves. Anyway, we can come boldly to the throne. Amen? We're sons and daughters of God, so we can pray. And it's important, we went on to say, that every Christian develops a faithful and a devoted prayer life. I mean, it's a terrible thing just to um, try to make friends with someone when you need them and you've never done much before, but, you know, when you develop a prayer life, then when you need a special, something special, you know how to get a hold of God, amen? But, but when God's a stranger and all of a sudden everything's falling apart, then it's a little different. So the Bible teaches us as Christians, as every average Christian, we should be faithful and devoted in prayers. We should develop a prayer life. And then when trouble comes, the first thing we do is not call sister so-and-so or not go on in the line and tell the world about it. It's to get in our prayer closet and cast that care upon the Lord ourselves and ask God to give us grace and strength and intervention. Amen? Amen. All right. Now we went to the second part of that verse. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. And we spent last week just on that part. And then he said, hey, if anyone's having a good day, praise the Lord. Amen? I mean, if anyone, and we, we talked about singing and how God's ordained singing. One of the ways we honor God and exalt God. And you think about it, what could I give to the Almighty? You, know, you think about it, where, say, well, what can I give? What does he need? But the Bible says my, my sincere singing actually blesses his heart. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? I mean, you know, what, what, what do you have? What, what can I actually give the Almighty? But he tells me, if I'll worship him from a sincere heart, it blesses him. And so again, we studied that about singing songs of praise. And now we're going to talk this, at least this week, maybe next week, prayer for the sick. If you would look at verse 14, and we're going to study these next few verses. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, the prayer of faith, will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore... Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Look, with old King James, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's how many of us learned it many moons ago. So we're going to look at this. Um, Notice number one, another circumstance when we need to pray is when people are sick. Now, certainly a big part of Jesus' ministry, even a casual glance, was ministering to the sick and the afflicted. Amen? He went on teaching, preaching, and healing. Jesus went about healing, doing all manner of good. The Lord is upon him. He went out doing good, healing all that were pressed to the devil. So again, another circumstance when we need to pray is when, when someone is sick. Now, let's understand, we know this, it's not the only way to receive healing. This is just one way. But this is the one way, and James gives instruction about it. 
Now, we can, you can receive healing just by believing God's promise yourself. You don't got to call anyone, amen? You got a promise, you're a child of God. If you get sick, you can say, Lord, by your stripes I'm healed, you're my healer. Lord, please heal me, amen? Or maybe you got a friend, you can just get a friend. They don't need to be an elder, bishop, pope, or anyone. You can just get a, another believer and say, would you pray with me? The doctor gave me a bad report, but let's just pray together and come into a prayer of agreement. You can do that, isn't that right? You can come to the altar when there's a service and that anointing's flowing, and you can ask for someone to pray. Or you can go to special meetings. You know, sometimes God puts a special anointing on different people, and he uses them along certain veins, and we can recognize how God uses people and say, well, I need a touch from God, and God seems to use that person in that ministry, so I'm going to go, and you can, so there's different ways. This is just one way. So we want to look at this. Verse 14, is any one of you sick? Notice the word, the sick person. The sick person. The word sick in, in the Greek, it, it means it's person that is without strength. They're so sick, they can't get out of bed. That's really what the word means. They're without strength. The debilitating effects of sickness. They're shut in, so to speak. They're bedridden. So they can't come out to get prayer. You see, so that's what he's dealing with here. That word sick. They're incapacitated. Um, they can't work. They're unable to get out and come. So ill that they can't come out. They're, so that sick person, now, they should do the calling. You notice what it says here? The sick person should call and ask for the elder, ask for the minister, ask for... So the sick person is the one that makes the call, amen? They're sick, they can't get to church, or they get to church, they come out to church and have the group pray for them, amen? They get where the power of God is, you know, on the altar, and have Pastor Todd pour that oil bottle on his head, and, you know, they pray. But they're so sick they can't do that. But, of course, James is saying, now, you, know, you have to, if that's you... You, take the, you call them. You make the initiative. So the sick person should call and ask for the pastors, elders to pray over him and anoint him with oil. Now, in, in this verse here, prayer is the main verb. Prayer is the main action. The anointing is secondary. The anointing with oil is secondary. So the overall emphasis is on prayer, that prayer of faith. Again, the anointing is a secondary action. And now, you know, there's different, there's different branches in the church. If you don't know, this branch from this church is the Pentecostal branch, the classical Pentecostal branch. What I mean is, when we see the anointing with oil, there's some branches that would say, well, that, that mean, that's for medicinal purposes. Because back in the days of the Bible, they used oil for healing. That was a, a medicine. And so there's some churches that mean well, and they might be sincere Bible-believing churches, but they see it more as prayer and medicine. Well, with us, there's really nothing wrong with that, though that's not our branch. Nothing wrong with that, because we believe in prayer and medicine. Amen? If we didn't, all oh, you've been sinning, because everyone's going to doctors. Some of you three times a week, so amen. But we believe in both prayer and medicine, do we not? Ultimately, when the healing comes, we give God the glory, because he uses that means, but we certainly... But in our branch, we typically see it more as symbolic, sacramental. It's a sacrament. Oil representing the Holy Spirit. So we pray and the oil should bolster people's faith as a symbol of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so again, the assurance of prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The final analysis, what affects the healing is the prayer of faith. Prayer that produces the healing. Now, notice what he says here in, in the midst of this verse. In verse 15, if he has sinned, if he has sinned. Interesting thought there, if he has sinned. It suggests the possibility 
that because of persistent sin, this thing has come upon them. Now, we, we know that um, until the rapture comes, one out of one will die. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? It's appointed for a man one time to... So people do die. We run our course and, and we die. Amen? And we could pray and say in the prayer line, do all you want. when your time comes to die, make sure your house is in order, make sure you're ready to meet the Lord, and go be with Jesus. Amen? Because I don't want to spend one more day in this rotten world than I have to, so if my time is up, Lord, I'm ready, take me. Amen? Amen. But we also know, we also know that um, sometimes people get sick because they give place to the devil. And again, we're not going to, we spent, we've studied before 1 Corinthians 11. If you're a note taker, 1 Corinthians 11, 30 through 32, it, it could be a, a disciplinary agent. That sickness could be some kind of discipline or someone gave place to the devil. We studied that a lot in communion chapter where Paul says, you know, there's many in the church that are weak and sick. Some are even dying prematurely. And the reason there was they were not respecting communion. They were very irreverent towards the Lord's table. And the Lord said, you know what? That's opening up the door for the enemy. And that's why. And that's when he goes on and says, but you know, if we were to judge ourselves, that's kind of like confession. If we would judge ourselves and get those things right, then that wouldn't happen to us, you see. So again, um, sometimes secret sins, unforgiveness in the heart, stubborn spirit, clear unbiblical behavior, it, it, it can do that. But notice the words if there. We, we know that's not always the cause of sickness, but we would not be biblical students if we did not recognize the Bible says it just might be. So the first thing that when hell hits any of us, the first thing we want to do is, Lord, did I do something that gave myself, open the door? Amen? Did I leave a window open? Have I done something that's given the enemy? You see what I mean? And well, Let a man examine who? I'm not going to examine you. I've got to examine me. I've got my own problems. Amen? I've got to look at me. And you look at you, and we examine ourselves with the help of the Scripture and the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then if I find out, yeah, you know, the, the, you, you've let some things in, I want to get them right with God. I'm going to confess them to God. Or maybe I did something to you, and I'm going to confess it to you. You see, but I want to get that right because I don't want to give the devil any place in me. Amen? And I don't want to be sitting here boring you with your, bugging you to pray for me, and I'm praying, and the whole time is I left the window, I left the back door open. Amen? So first thing, let me start, let a man examine himself. Because it could have been that way. So again, um, not, not that it always is, but if he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Now let's notice something about verse 15. Let's look at the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. It's interesting, when we read these scriptures here, this is where we get that great verse, as we said earlier, the fervent prayer, the, the energetic prayer of a righteous man or woman makes, avails much, amen? So this prayer he's talking about is strong, fervent petition. But it's not the fervency nor the frequency. It's the faith that makes it effective. It's the prayer of faith. But you know, I mean, I don't mind getting zealous. I get excited about the things of God. But it's not my decibel that's going to help anyone. It's faith in the anointing. Amen? And nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you can't keep this in. You ever see a hose when it gets too much pressure? That hose just goes. Sometimes you get so happy in the Lord. You get so excited in the Lord. You get so angry at the devil that, you, you know, there, there's an expression. You see. But ultimately, it's not that. No, there's nothing wrong with some of that. But it's the power of God. And that's released by faith in God. 
It's the prayer of faith. It didn't say it was the prayer of decibels. Amen? So the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith. What is this prayer of faith? Well, the prayer of faith is being confident in God to answer once you've ascertained his will. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You've got to know God's will before you can really exercise faith. Amen? What's my faith in? My faith better be in his word and his will. And if I'm not in agreement with him, go if you would, 1 John 5 and verse 14. 1 John 5 and 14. What is this prayer of faith that's going to heal the sick and raise him up? Let's look at that together. Do anyone sick? Amen. 1 John 5. And look at verse 14. The Bible says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Just just that part of it? That you and I can actually approach God with confidence. Have you ever approached someone that wasn't very confident? Amen? I don't know about you, but some of us got called down to the principal's office once or twice in our school career. Amen? Maybe you, this is when I merely miss Leo. Where's Leo? That's why I miss Leo, because me and Leo, we'd connect on things like this. We all, we spoke the same language. We understood getting called down the principal's office, and he wasn't giving me some ribbon for the spelling bee either. It wasn't, you know, it was, I done something, I said something I shouldn't have done. And, and I got to admit, when I went to that authority, I didn't have a confidence, amen? They was like, oh, Lord, if he tells mom or dad, I'm dead. I mean, it was one of those things. But the Bible says here that you and I, what a beautiful thought, We have confidence when we approach God. What's our confidence? Well, I know that if I ask anything according to his, not my will, but his will. That's very important. Amen? That's why before I'm going to pray the prayer of faith, I really do have to ascertain his will. I have to be able to go to the scripture. I have to be able to be led of the Holy Spirit. I have to be able to discern circumstances. Amen? You know, we prayed for people in the region of the time, Lord, take them in peace. Take them in peace. Isn't that true? Take them in peace. You've got to ascertain God's will. There's other times that, no, no, devil, you're a liar. You can't have them. Their time's not up yet. Isn't that right? And you, you put your spiritual foot down and you pray and you believe God, but you've got to ascertain the will of God. You see, and so again, I, I, I got con- this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, that, and then he hears us. I mean, he really he hears us, but then he hears us. You know what I mean? Sometimes we hear each other, but we don't really, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know. I like it when the Bible says we know. We can be assured and confident. We know that we have what we ask of him. We know. Let us know. Start by knowing the will of God. Start by knowing the will of God. It's interesting here. Confidence. Confidence. Look. Go back to 1 John 3. Because I, I want to pray effective prayers. How about you? Amen? I mean, I, I don't want to just pray prayers to be religious. I don't think people call us to pray just to pray a prayer to be religious. They pray prayers because they want answers. Amen? I pray because I want an answer. I don't need to pray, Lord, help me take the garbage out. I can handle that all by myself. If I'm praying, I need help. Amen. When I pray, I'm saying, Lord, this is beyond me, or there's things here I can't see. I need help. Help me, Lord. You see, so again, when I pray, I want to, so I want to pray accurately according to the scripture. How do I improve my spiritual batting average when it comes to getting prayers answered? Well, find out what the Bible says about prayer. 
One thing I know is if I pray according to his will, I can have real confidence in that prayer. Amen? So, it's, so it behooves me to find out the will of God for certain things. And then even specific things. You know, what, what's the will of God here? What's the Spirit speaking here? What do the circumstances say? Amen? I can pray all I want, believe all I want. How many believe I'm not going to play in the NBA? Anybody? <laughs> the circumstances. I might desire it. I might be able to quote scripture about it. He gives the desires of our heart. Yeah, but guess what? You know, I mean, you can't, you can't even see the rim. Amen? Besides that, you're taller this way than that way. No. I mean, sometimes I want to know the will of God. So 1 John 3. Now go to 1 John 3. And again, this, we want to be effective here. Here's some other keys to help us. Let's improve our batting average in prayer. Can we say it like that? Is that a good way to say it? Um, Verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. There's confidence again, amen? How do I get confidence? I make sure that my conscience is clear. And I'm a good repenter. You know, it's amazing King Saul got in trouble because he wanted to worship and he didn't wait on the prophet for the sacrifice. He got in trouble. Now, that seems much less of a sin than what David did. Anybody? Remember what David did? Amen? David seemed to did the worst sin. But one gets forgiven and one gets rejected. What was the difference? David knew how to repent. I'll tell you, if you want to go on with God, be a good repenter. I've always tried to be a good repenter, amen? When I'm guilty as charged, I'm going to get along with God and make sure I get forgiven. Say, Lord, I'm forgiven. Um, it's not my mother or my brother, it's me. It's Zeno standing in the need of prayer. Because right there, the Bible says, if, if our hearts don't condemn us, I want to make sure my conscience is clear. And then I go on, it says, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him anything we ask. So there's another thing that helps my prayer life. Not only knowing his will, but making sure I'm, I'm right. You say, what else? Because we obey his commands, I gotta obey his commands and do what pleases him. Wow. So th- those are some other things that help us improve our batting average. Amen. I'm gonna know the will of God, make sure my conscience is clear, and I'm, I'm doing what pleases God. And then, of course, James said, the prayer of faith, I'm gonna believe God. Amen. I'm gonna believe that God can do what he promised. I'm going to believe in God's power. I'm going to believe in God's character. I'm going to believe that God's promises are not wavering, but they're concrete because God doesn't change. Amen? So we look at that. Again, um, 1 John 5 and 14. Let's just we make a few comments here. The word confidence. Christians can know with absolute certainty and confidence that God answers prayer when they approach the throne of grace. Aren't you glad it's called the throne of grace? Anyone? Now, not a throne of judgment, not a throne of, I told you so, but it's a throne of grace. And the Bible says, if I approach that throne, I can receive mercy from God. And I can receive help from God. How's it? The throne of grace. Sometimes I forget this. Throne, speaking of authority. Grace, speaking of generosity. Isn't that a cool throne to go to? Amen. Amen. The throne of grace. Let us come boldly. Go with confidence before that throne. So again, confidence. Then it says, according to his will. Now, this phrase constitute strategic key to answered prayer. I have to get what's God's will in this. Amen. You know, we, we talked, wow, where was it? It was, it was earlier, earlier in the study, and, and we dealt with prayer. And we said one of the greatest blessings of prayer is just 
communing in greater intimacy with the Lord. Getting to the place where we can be more sensitive to his voice, more sensitive to his nudgings. Amen? Because I've seen at times, I've prayed about things in times past, and it seems like it took God weeks to get through my thick head. You like the onion? But the more I was in God's presence, the Lord just peeled that away till finally. Now, if I had been there to begin with, I could have got that answer so much earlier. You know, I, I came in, you ever approach a situation and you already have a preconceived idea what you're going to do? Sure, right? And we're praying along those lines. And we, we got Bible and we're trying to, you know, but sooner or later, it's like you ever get stuck in the mud and you just kind of, with God. You know, you just kind of, I'm praying, but you know, something's not catching. We're, something's not, nothing's taking grip. And after a while, you, you know, you, you, you quiet down from just pressing in because you just sense nothing, something's not taking traction here. That's the word I was looking Traction. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. Hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, Lord. And all of a sudden you realize, I need to get that right. But basically, God didn't want me to do this anyway. I can remember early days of ministry. There's been times I ran after things. They were good things. I think they were noble things. I think they would have glorified God in the end. But it wasn't God's will. So I was trying to build a house, but the Lord wasn't building the house. It took me a while to realize, God, you're not really into this, are you? And the thing I wasn't crazy about, God says, that's what I want you to do. Now you're going to do it. But it took a while for God to get through all my static, Zeno static, till finally I said, oh yeah, Lord. Okay. And I went and did what he wanted me to do, and the blessing was there. Isn't it amazing? When God pulls back that hand of blessing, I mean, we're just exhausting ourselves and we're just, but the minute we get in line and that blessing, man, it's so cool. But the will of God, the will of God. So again, confidence that we're, freedom of speech. We can come and talk to God. You can come and just pour out your heart to God. Isn't that great? You can commune with God, not be intimidated in God's will. We read the word. We listen to the Holy Spirit. We discern the circumstances. 1 John 5 and 14. The prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Go, if you would, now to James 1 and 6. James 1 and 6. Now, and here, again, we're talking about praying in faith. Praying in faith. God wants us to pray in faith. God honors faith. Amen? And again, in the prayer offered in faith will save the sick and raise him up. So here we learn, James earlier in his book, he's talking about wisdom. The context is wisdom, but we can apply it to a lot of things. But when he asks, he's saying, ask wisdom, ask, amen. But when he asks, when you and I ask, we must believe and not doubt. So again, God's saying, do you want an answer? Faith. Believe. Amen. Again, it's the prayer of faith. Notice, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts, is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. It goes on to say that person won't receive it from the Lord. Let me read you a couple of thoughts here. Number one, we can take God at his word, can't we? So when we ascertain the will of God, we can believe that, and we can pray confidently along those lines, and we should. All right, but Dr. Burdick writes, Nothing that hinders God from giving wisdom. There's nothing on God's end. God doesn't, God never had a recession or depression, isn't that right? God's will never runs dry. There's nothing on God's end that hinders God from doing his will. 
But a barrier, he writes, but a barrier, and this kind of caught my attention, but a barrier may exist within us. Hmm. Now what is it, Lord? Well, it says here in James, when we ask, we must believe and not doubt. You see, my refusal to believe God's promise, my refusal to really trust God to do what he promised to do could hinder the release of the answer. Our faith must be more than just accepting a creed. Faith is not just mental agreement, though you need to mentally understand things. Faith is a believing of a heart that is persuaded and confidently expects. Again, to believe is to be confident that God will give what is requested. It is to expect him to do so. Now, the extent of faith that God is looking for in our lives is emphasized by these words, and not doubt at all. Wow. As God says, if you're a doubter, you know, you believe one day, you're doubting the next day. You're pumped up and expecting one day, the next day you're kind of wishy-washy in the thing. You say, not to doubt at all. Faith, more than just belief that God will do it when we ask, but it includes a confident, unwavering trust in God. As opposed to the wavering of a sea, it's consistent, it's concrete, it's steady. It believes God. It believes God's word. It's an attitude, an attitude of faith. We trust in God's character. We trust in God's power. We trust in God's purposes. We trust in God's plans. But this is one way I, I the way I ask can limit God's response. Isn't that an interesting statement that he made? The way I ask can limit God's response. Though on God's end, we we know there's nothing limiting him, but he's taught us the the way to get this thing. And the way to receive from him is to pray with that confidence and to pray in faith believing. But if I'm doubting and wavering, though God has, he won't release because God desires faith from his people. Amen? All right, let's look at Mark 11. 22 through 24. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Another verse on faith. Because we're talking about the prayer of faith. If someone is so sick they can't get out of bed, they can call the elders and ask them to come anoint them with oil. Amen. That's what James is specifically talking about. But if you're able to get out, then you can come to church. And you know just about every Sunday, anyone's sick, you can come. And anyone just needs prayer for anything, come and we'll pray with you. You can come out and pray. But when we pray, uh, on one end, we're going to believe God. On the other end, you're going to believe God. Amen? We're all trying to believe God together to to see this thing come together. We're working together. But here's some words of Jesus. He says, have faith in God. Have faith, not faith in faith. Not faith in a person or a program. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. See, there's that prerequisite again. Right? It's not yelling at the mountain. He does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that what he says will happen, it'll be done for him. Therefore, I'll tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, prayer, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it'll be yours. Wow. You know, mountains, they represent large difficulties, amen, in Bible days. Uh, Jesus wasn't talking about, you know, taking the Alps into the sea. Jesus didn't do miracles to be sensational. He did miracles to help people and to prove who he was. So a mountains in Bible say meant an impossible situation, just an overwhelming situation. 
In fact, back in those days, leaders or rabbis that were very wise and could help solve problems were called rooter up of mountains. You know, you could bring them heavy problems and God would give them wisdom to move those things. So Jesus' point here is this. If believers sincerely trust God and truly realize the unlimited power that is available through such faith in him, they will see his mighty power at work. If we trust the Lord sincerely and we realize the unlimited power, man, faith in the living God, in the will of God, can do mighty things on the earth. Amen? This places no limits on a believer's prayer that's in line with God's will and purpose. True faith is trusting in the revelation that God has given us. What's God said about himself? What's God said about his will? Believe that. Expect that. And when you pray along with that, be confident in that. Again, a figure of speech, meaning that seemingly impossible things are possible through the power of God. When the people of God take him at his word and pray in a believing way. Let's take God at his word and pray in a believing way. Amen? I want to I see the batting average lifted up. Amen? I want to see, see more answers to prayer. I don't want to just pray prayers. I get tired of praying prayers. Don't you? I want to see answers to prayers. And I know one way I improve my answers is to get back in line. What does the Bible say about how I can pray effectively? What does the Bible say that I should be doing or striving to do if I want to see answers to prayer? Amen? Because God has revealed it, you see. God has revealed it. So all this, this beautiful, these thoughts of Jesus, they're an encouragement for us to pray biblically and often. Pray biblically and pray often. Because there's mighty power to them that will believe God and pray according to the will of God. Amen? That's why hell tries to hinder prayer meetings. Ever notice that? Hell, hell, you know, hell won't stop. Too many other things. You don't care about the picnics and the parties, and they have their place, but they have their place. But I'll tell you, that prayer meeting's in a whole other animal, isn't it? Because it's dealing with the spiritual warfare, it's dealing with the real strongholds. And so uh, the hell will try to do anything. Don't, don't get to praying too much. Because that's where the real power lies. It's in the prayers of God's people as they unite their faith and they pray in accordance with God's will and God's desire. Mighty things happen. Wonderful things happen. All right, so let's move on now. Verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Now from verse, we go from verse 15, from the promise of verse 15, we jump into 16, and here's the, the therefore, the inference. Since confession of sin And the prayer of faith brings healing. Christians should confess their sins and pray one for another. He went from the elders now to each other. We confess our sins, first of all, to the Lord, but then we confess them to the one I've offended. Amen? Whereas he writes to us, we we don't need to confess our sins beyond the circle of their influence. That's typically very foolish. But private sin requires private confession, and public sin requires public confession. Amen? Now, if you would, 1 John 1, 1 John 1, I believe I got verses 8 through 10. Verse 9 will be our highlight. Confession. He said, if you confess, confess, confess. Interesting word, isn't it? Confess. That means say you're guilty. I did it. I did it, Lord. If we say that we have no sin, we, we deceive ourselves and the truth is in us. So denial is not the answer, is it? But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that beautiful? If we want the beauty of cleansing, we've got to practice honest confession. Amen. And goes on. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We confess sin when we get saved. We confess we're sinners and we've fallen short. But then as we walk with God, because if you notice the verse right before this um, is where he talks about if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Amen? And one of the ways we walk in the light, one of the characteristics of a Christian walking in the light is we confess our sins. Amen? And the word confess means to say the same thing. All right? We, know, we, we like to make excuses. We like to na- change the names. We try to redefine things. But if, if I missed it, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I, told, I told a whopper about you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I did it. No excuse. You know, you know get out. We get out. We, they didn't fix. You know, the lights are fixed now, but the lights weren't fixed. A little dark out there. I backed up over one of your buggies. Amen? Oh, the poor golf cart. And I can easily, you know... You know, the natural man, when, when, you, when you do something wrong, the natural man, first thing out of your mouth, out of your heart from your mouth, is an ex, some kind of excuse. Well, it was dark out. Well, you shouldn't have parked the dumb thing there anyway. You know what I mean? What's wrong? You can't walk another five feet. Park it somewhere, you know. Right? And instead of saying, I'm sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking. I didn't even see. I just backed up. I ran. If, it, if you need some money to, to paint it up, just let me know. Forgive me. See, now I don't need to announce it to everyone because I didn't run over everyone's buggy. Maybe I should have. No, no. But I, to the one, I'm going to the person, I'm going to the person I, I, that I offended. See what I mean? The one I sinned against. Now, if I sinned against the whole group, then it's a public thing. Amen? Isn't that true? You know, you know one, of the, one of the board members took a... Un, on um, what is it, a trip to Tahiti or something, you know, and on, you know what I mean? And they, they did it on our money. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And then they felt terrible after they got sunburned, and they felt really bad. <laughs> and they wanted forgiveness. They said, well, you might have forgiveness, but you apologize to the people. You stole their money, stand up there. If you're really sincere, so I want to, please, church, forgive me. I'm very sorry for what I did. And I just want to, you know, you know, Right? Yeah? Oh, yeah, you better pay it back. <laughs> Send me to Tahiti. No, I don't want to go to Tahiti. I want to go somewhere where it's cool and the leaves are changing. Amen. But go ahead. But here we go. Let's look at this. Here we go. First, first John 1 and I, very quickly, then we'll close it down. The term confessed means to say the same thing about sin as God does. All right? So whatever God called it, we need to call it. But our natural man changes things, don't we? Yeah, sure we do. But it's a beautiful verse here. The first phase talks about sin is a debt that God remits. The second, a stain that he removes. He forgives us and cleanses us. Isn't that beautiful? When I confess my sins, when I'm honest with my sins, God is faithful and just. Isn't that beautiful? Because of what Jesus did. He can forgive me because Jesus paid the price for that. And because he loves me, he's faithful to do that if I'll come and I'll Confess it and ask him to forgive me. It's not a long, drawn-out thing. I don't, do, I don't need to do penance. I don't need to you know, hit myself with a wet noodle. I don't have to do any of those things. But sin is a debt that he remits and a stain that he removes. And it's a beautiful thing. Let's see. We're going to wind it down now. Next week, we'll start slipping into that 
17th verse, and we'll start talking about Elijah and prayer for the nation and that powerful our prayers can bring results as we stay clean and pray believing and pray strong. But today we learned, now if you're home and you can't get out of bed, well, you call and we'll send someone to anoint you with oil. Amen? Amen. But it's up to you to call. Isn't that right? That's it. Now, that's just one way. But there are many other ways you can get a touch from God. And again, every Sunday we pray for people. And many times people testify, hey, the Lord really touched me. Or, you know, I went back to the doctor and got a good report. Because God still heals today. Amen? Amen. In the various ways he does it. Now, if I'm the one that, if anything negative happens to me, amen, I, I know one thing. I, I might have done something wrong. So one of the first things I'm going to do is let a man examine himself. I'm going to make sure, Lord, now once I honestly do that and I find out everything's good here, then I'll fight hell and then I'll turn it loose on the devil. But before I start, you know, beating him up, I need to say, Lord, amen, amen. I've told that story, but it bears repeating. I was driving home one time from a men's um, overnight deals up in a Salvation Army camp up in beautiful Finger Lakes in New York. And we're driving back, and, and the brother I'm driving back with has no idea of what he's about to say, that I dealt with an issue and it was really a, you know, a, a knife in the back type of deal. But I had said something I didn't need to say. It, it, was, it, was, it was accurate, it was true. It just didn't need to be said. It was just me and him, and it wasn't going any farther than that. But I didn't need to say it. And especially, you know, sometimes God deals with us about different things. It was at that point in life, God was really dealing, watch your mouth. Even accurate things. Watch your mouth. Sometimes we think it's okay if it's accurate. Sometimes that's still sin. It might have been truth, but it didn't need to be said. Isn't that right? right. And, and so I said something, and I, I don't know why. I, shouldn't, I didn't have to say it, you know? It was just me and him. And, and immediately, out of nowhere, he said something that he had no idea. He just cut me to the heart. And immediately God said, you're going to learn to watch your mouth? Because we give place to certain things when we live loose, when we live undisciplined and unbridled with our things. So when something comes up, first I'm going to check myself. But then when things are cool or I made them right, then we go at it. We claim the promise, amen. We pray in faith believing. We follow, hey, get someone to pray with you. If you're able to get out, get out where the anointing is and let Pastor Todd, Brother Gary anoint you and pray, I mean, and believe God together. Make sure I'm ready here. There's no sense in Pastor Todd. He's sweating out of his ears. You never see him on a Sunday. He's praying with everything he has. There's no sense going asking him for prayer if on your end things aren't right. Amen? Isn't that true? But come up ready on your end and then he'll be ready on his end. And that's where you get connections. You see, because that's what this lesson's been teaching us. By confessing it so I can receive. When I pray, when you pray, believe God. Trust God. You serve a God that's trustworthy. Amen? Amen. He's loving, he's kind, he's powerful, and he's good. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're still a healer. We thank you, Lord, that you are still mighty to save and mighty to heal. And we thank you, Lord, you're so full of grace, you're so full of mercy. That, that, Lord, when we miss it, we can just come to you in sincerity, Lord, and you'll forgive us as we confess. And we thank you, Lord, for the prayer of faith, that we can come, we can learn your will, 
And when we pray in accordance with your will, we can pray with a confidence and an assurance that you will hear and you will answer our prayers. Father, help each one of us to develop and mature in our prayer lives. Help us to learn the different lessons from Scripture and apply them so we can improve. I want to improve, Lord. I want to get better at praying for people. I want to be more effective at seeing answers to prayer, seeing your will done on earth as it is in heaven. So now, Father, bless us. Bless these dear ones that have come out tonight. Give them a great week. Father God, give them a great week. Let this be a week of answered prayer. Let this be a week of divine appointments. Give them the desires of their heart and use them in these coming days to be a blessing to someone in a special way. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,